and welcome to the Christian Formation Podcast. My name is Raven, and I'm the Volunteer Services and Communications Coordinator, and I'm here with Andrew, one of our pastors. We have had some trouble and technical difficulties this morning, but we finally got it up and running, and we are excited to share this new book with you guys. (laughs) So today's book is Something Needs to Change, A Call to Make Your Life Count in a World of Urgent Need by David Platt. So before we dive into the book, Andrew, do you mind giving us a little background on who David Platt is? Yeah, uh, if you have not read or uh, maybe listened to him, he's a pastor. He's a pretty well-known author, um, especially for a lot of churches like ours, I guess, uh, theologically or just kind of the the way that we, um, our philosophy of ministry and stuff. He's kind of one of the figureheads, I guess, uh, one of the pastors over the last decade. It's been pretty uh, important, and he was a pastor in, I think it was Alabama for a while, at like a mega church, and then he actually was the president of a missions board uh, for the Southern Baptist Convention for a few years, and then now I think he's pastoring in um, Washington, D.C., but if you haven't ever read him or listened to him, uh, I will say he is very intense. Uh, I don't know if you, Raven, you said you heard him at a conference. I listened to him once uh, live at a conference, and he's very, uh, not dramatic in like uh, like just drama, but very like in, like just intense. I don't know if you mm-hmm. felt that when you listened to him, but he's yeah. uh, very just serious and, and passionate about what he's talking about. In a lot of ways, I think that's really helpful and really good. Um, in some ways, I do know that that like, puts people off a little bit or he has a, uh, his ministry. So his first book that he wrote is called radical and he has a, a, like a whole ministry basically built around that called radical. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think that's probably pretty fitting. Like he just, he is radical in some of his uh, ways that he pushes people and some of the ways that he challenges people. And for a lot of people, I think they love that. And it's, it's helpful for some people. I think that's off putting. And it, so when you hear David Platt, if, if you know some of that stuff, um, yeah, I think that's kind of, you, you might have two camps. Some people love it for that. And some people maybe are off put by him. I, I sometimes say, I don't know if you know, uh, Francis Chan, but I think he's kind of a, this might be a little controversial, but he's a little <laughs> bit of like a more theologically rooted Francis Chan. So if you know Francis Chan, he's similar to that. Um, but probably a little bit more theological than that. But that's probably opening a can of worms so we don't need to get into. <laughs> we'll have to put a pin in that for next yeah. time. We'll do a Francis Chan book sometime. Yeah. So with that then, what is this book like? If it's kind of on brand with the rest of his challenging, convicting, just yeah. a little bit more intense books, what would you say would be the summary of this book? Yeah, this book's interesting. So if you have read Radical, which I would recommend uh, reading, I actually read that. Raven, have you read that book before? Mm-hmm. Okay, so mm-hmm. I read it um, when I was in China. I had been a Christian maybe for six months or so, like just came to the Lord, went overseas to go to China and you just see just crazy things. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. And uh, one of the missionaries over there gave me the book Radical, which is basically a call for like American Christians to quit being soft and like to actually take <laughs> your face seriously. And I was like, I got to move to China. This is, I'm just oh a worthless person. And uh, so it was probably a mixture of good challenging and also condemning uh, a little bit. But um, but this book, it, it's different in that it's not a... Um, he doesn't write specifically to you, which may sound weird, but he's not like writing a book trying to communicate necessarily some sort of truth or idea that he's writing to you like a normal maybe Christian book would. Um, it, what something needs to change basically is is a 
uh, diary and kind of some like after the fact reflections on his time when Platt took a trip to the Himalayan mountains. And uh, the whole goal of this trip was he went with, uh, I think, a friend of his that was from the mountains and a few other guys. And they went and they basically just hiked these Himalayan mountains for maybe a week. And they went to all these different villages uh, and met with different people there and just some of the most like remote places on Mm -hmm. earth, just places that people just don't go. These tiny little villages where people born, live, and die in the same exact spot. There's no tourists, stuff like that. Um, and so he goes, and uh, for him, he says later that this was one of the most like pivotal, life-changing trips and moments of his life. And so it's it's essentially just his diary over that. So there's some actual like um, things that he wrote uh, from his like journal while he was over there, and then just a lot of reflections over that. And so the book is... Um, is really helpful because it, it's almost just like a peek into maybe his uh, soul or like kind of his private life a little bit, for lack of a better term. Um, so it's just it's it's a different book, but it's it's the same kind of thing where he wrestles with if uh, what I'm seeing is real and if the need here is real, um, then that really should change a lot about us. Hmm. Yeah. And we had kind of talked about this a little bit beforehand, and you had kind of explained some of the stories in this book. Just to give listeners an idea of what those heavy stories would be, could you share a couple of them? Yeah. So, again, I won't steal too much of the thunder from the book, but there are just a few that are, I mean, it's just like horrific. So there's one story early on in the book where he mentions uh, coming in contact with this village and he meets a guy who who doesn't have one of his eyes and he figures out the story that essentially there was, I think, like a, a minor infection or something that this guy got. But again, think Himalayan mountains in these like remote villages, there's just not much medical care. And so you get a small infection and pretty soon like you just lose your eye. Like there's just nothing else you can do about it. And so he tells a variety of stories like that of like common illnesses that for us, we just wouldn't even think twice about that, like radically hinder these people's lives. Um, he also tells stories of uh, the, the uh, sex trafficking is pretty huge there. And so um, girls that have gotten just taken uh, into sex trafficking, um, guys will go up and they will basically buy young girls or, or they'll convince families that um, that there's work down like uh, in other places in the mountains or something. And so... If they can take their daughter down there, then they'll have work and then they can send money back to the family. Well, then they just basically take them and, and sell them into sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. And so just like horrific things like that. There was um, yeah, a story, which you'll have to read the whole thing if you read the book, but uh, of a guy who um, basically spent most of his childhood chained outside of his house to like this other building. And mm-hmm. um, you just read some of these things that just, it, it just like kind of blows your mind. Um, one story I will tell a little bit is, so we think about these mountains without access to many outside people. There's almost no access to the gospel. So most people mm-hmm. have never heard of Jesus. Most people have no idea what the gospel is, no idea what Christianity is. Um, but over the course of time, there have been um, sporadically some missionaries that will come and, and actually try to preach the gospel there. And so uh, there was a story that he said uh, of this person who missionaries came in and they preached the gospel to uh, this person. He's now an an adult, but their um, uh, parents, parents convert, become Christians. Well, everybody in the, the, their little village like hates this idea because you just don't Mm. 
change like that. And so the, the people in the village tried to get the parents to uh, kind of renounce the faith and, and say that they're not Christians anymore. Well, they wouldn't do it. And so one day this little kid is walking outside of his house and some people in the village come up and tell um, the kid that uh, his parents had uh, fallen off a cliff and had died. Um, and so there's like tragic accident and, and you, you, you know, he kind of tells the story a little bit about that. Well, years later, the child grows up to find out, um, that it really wasn't an accident and that villagers, because these people wouldn't, um, say no to Jesus actually mm. stoned them to death and then threw them off the cliff and killed them just for their faith. And so it, it's like, there's, there's no access to the gospel. And then when there is a little bit, there's just hostility toward the gospel. And so the, the whole story is, essentially um, the the urgent need he talks about is both is spiritual and physical there's just these physical um, like elements of hell that, that are here but then there's also the spiritual side of almost nobody knows of a way that you can actually be saved and so mm. uh, it is like he paints a pretty um, graphic in some ways like picture of just the darkness that's going on there and a lot of the hopelessness that that he got to encounter in these villages. Yeah. And even as you're explaining that, I had chills because I went, oh, my word, that is terrible. And beforehand, you had said that he has this epiphany that these people in the mountains are enduring an earthly hell only to die and face a greater hell after this life. And so if that's the case, how are we living and should we be living this way? And so when you're asking those questions earlier, I think a lot of people could say, okay, yes, I see how that's really difficult and really hard, but living this radical life for the Lord that Platt talks about can seem off-putting to people. But as Christians, should we be living that way? What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, that's where I think each person has to wrestle with this a little bit because if if you read somebody like David Platt or even Francis Chan that I mentioned or other people, if you read some of these uh, people and you feel this overwhelming sense of like condemnation, like I don't think that's from the Lord. And mm-hmm. so I think there, I kind of joked about it, but there is a mix of, it can easily get there where you feel condemned if you're not giving up everything to go to the mountains and, you know, live your whole life for that. There isn't necessarily a condemnation there. However, if you maybe are a person who tries to stay away from that because it does make you feel uncomfortable, I would say that reading some of these guys, it is helpful and challenging because it's hard for us to get out of our own context and our own view of Christianity that is wrapped up within kind of an American Christianity, which isn't all bad, uh, but it's also not all good. Like there are certain things, there, there are certain lenses that we wear that we see the Bible and Christianity through simply because we're Americans in 2020. Like that's just the, that's the way it is. There's, there's no way around that. There are context shapes, how we view, even how we read the Bible. And so when there's people that kind of press on some of those things, I actually do think it's really helpful because there, he's just kind of touching some pressure points of saying, is this actually what Jesus talked about? Is the way that our lives are looking or the way that our church is living, is that actually the way that Jesus has called his church to live? And so I do think it is helpful because, yeah, I think in a lot of ways we have married because of this again isn't for this conversation probably, but because of the popularity of Christianity in in the West for so long, so in in Europe and then in America, uh, we've just so uh, married Christianity with like um, needing that to have influence or power in um, culture, and so there's just the the idea of oppression, the idea of suffering, the idea of giving up influence or giving up um, things in our culture is just so against just I think how we're 
raised, you know, maybe metaphorically speaking within the church. And so he just pushes on a lot of that. And I think it's good. And I do think that when Jesus talks about um, living wholeheartedly for him, I, I think there's some implications in there that we really do need to wrestle with as the church and um, not to necessarily condemn us, but to maybe challenge us um, to give up some of these things that we have attached to Christianity that maybe aren't. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, no, that's good. And I think you make a really interesting point that not only does it make us wrestle with this idea of, okay, should we be living the way that we're living? You had also said earlier that he asked some other questions too, just questioning God of how can a loving God truly send people to hell? So you have one side of Christians saying, okay, are we living the way that Jesus truly intended us to live? But then also this book raises questions of how does a loving God truly send people to hell or is that the case or how can God be good in suffering? And so with those questions, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that that's okay to ask God those questions to be wrestling with your faith in that way? Yeah, I think it, so if you decide to read this book, uh, be ready to wrestle with those questions because I went into it. And so I have, I'm, I like thinking about these things, like putting theological things in categories are helpful for my brain. And so the ideas and the questions that he wrestles with of like, can hell be real? Like in my mind going into this book, I'm thinking like, absolutely, like how could you actually ask that question? Like if you know your mm. Bible, you know the answer. Or questions like, man, what is it? What does it mean that we have a good God that lets people suffer on earth and then send them to an eternal suffering in hell? And and so you can have some of these questions. And I went in probably having neat theological answers for these things. But you read these stories, and even more so if you actually interact with people, uh, and not just in the Himalayan mountains, but if you talk to people and you you take theology outside of just a book or some like letters and ideas and words, and you actually put that into real life, um, I think it's totally fine to wrestle with these questions because if if you if you don't wrestle with them, um, it would be hard for me. Basically. I don't know how to say this nicely, but maybe my best David Platt impression. If if you don't wrestle with those questions really with real people, um, I don't know where your heart's at because like Mm. to actually see real physical suffering and to actually know that there are people that are going to eternally suffer. If that doesn't break your heart or wrestle and think, I mean, how can this possibly be? Um, I think, I think that maybe says something, you know? And so, um, I think it's totally fine to ask these questions of God, you know, and there's, there's things that we don't fully understand. God is higher than us. His thoughts are higher than us. And I fully trust, and I, and I believe David Platt probably fully trusts in the goodness of God, the reality of hell, all of that. So I'm not, I'm not backing off any of that, but I will say that when you actually hear some of these stories, it does make your heart kind of like ache for some of these things. And, and in a lot of ways, I think that's good. And so, uh, yeah, absolutely. If you read this book, be prepared to actually wrestle with some of those. Um, obviously, I definitely encourage you, don't abandon truths that we know just because you're looking at something horrific in this world. But you do need to wrestle with that stuff. And I do think it's good and appropriate and healthy to let God actually speak into those. Yeah, and I think it's good and encouraging for a lot of Christians to know that it's okay that we wrestle with those questions, and it's probably a good thing because we are truly saying, okay, we can understand and empathize or just feel what's being felt in those stories and then also question God and hopefully just be led into a deeper relationship with the Lord as we learn more about Him and His character. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you know somebody who, if, if you believe in kind of Orthodox Christianity, and so you would say Jesus is the only way to heaven. He's the only way of salvation. 
and you know people or you're friends with people or you have family members that don't know Jesus, if you're fine with that, like mm-hmm. that's the problem. It, it's not a problem to ask God, how can I have a family member who I love, who I care for, and who is going to spend an eternity in hell? It, to not bring that to God with like heartache, I think would show that there's something like going on in your own heart. So so yeah, absolutely. I, I think the the bigger problem would be is if you understand the reality of hell and that just doesn't affect you at all. Mm, yeah. And so then to kind of wrap up here, what would you say this book would, how would you say that this book would be good for people? So who would you recommend this book to? Yeah. Um, in short, everybody. Okay. So that's kind of my quick game. I think everybody. And, and the reason I say everybody is because we've done a few of these books uh, like some of these book reviews where it's been specifically for leaders or like the apologetics one. So kind of like niche things. This is a very easy to read. Like I said, it, it's mostly a journal and some reflections. So it's not hard to read. It's not hard to get through. Um, it really is just a story after story after story type of book. And so uh, anybody could read it. So if you're not a big reader, read this one. I also think that he does press on some things. Uh, in just our understanding of Christianity in our life that I think is helpful for people. And, um, and yeah, so I think, I think it's just good, uh, to, to read it. Um, two little caveats, I would say to everyone reading it. Uh, first, this is somewhat, uh, lighthearted, but legitimately be ready to like actually engage with this book and make changes afterwards. So uh, some of that can be really healthy to actually see how you're living and how that lines up with, are we actually trying to meet the needs of the world around us, both physical and spiritual? And actually try to wrestle with that and and maybe change a little bit. Um, the other the other one is a little bit uh, unhealthy response to this is, I remember reading this book thinking like, I mean, I got close to like selling my house. I was like, <laughs> we have to like downsize. We have to spend no money. We got to give all of our money away. We got to move overseas. So don't make any crazy life decisions. But I, I would guess that if you read through this book, you will have that thought at some point mm-hmm. of like, I've got to go do something. And in do that wisely. But in some part, I think that is good because that's his whole point is that if this stuff is real and we have the gospel and we have eternal life, then we've got to figure out ways to give up certain things in our life for others. And so just be prepared for that. Uh, the only other caveat I would give uh, very honestly or seriously is if if you have, if you're a family, I would maybe caution you um, to read this first as a parent before you would give it to your child. So um, some of the stories are fairly uh, graphic and he's pretty descriptive and he talks about um, kind of the sex trade and stuff like that. And so um, I just probably wouldn't give this to, you know, an eight-year-old. And, and so some of this I would probably let um, parents just to kind of discern. So I would encourage you maybe read through it first. Um, I think in a lot of ways for teenagers, this could be a really impactful book um, to kind of broaden people's view of the world and broaden people's view of um, suffering and what it means for Christians to engage with that, Um, but do that wisely. And so I would encourage uh, any adult to read it. Uh, For parents out there, just I would maybe say read it first and and make sure that it's appropriate or just maybe explain certain parts instead of reading certain parts with your kids Mm -hmm. um, just to maybe protect them a little bit from from some of those things at too young of an age. Yeah, that's good. So again, if you are interested in this book, it is Something Needs to Change, A Call to Make Your Life Count in a World of Urgent Need by David Platt. And if you have any questions at all, you can email us at formation at providenceomaha.org. And we just hope that these supplemental readings help further your faith and sharpen your minds and hearts to know more about the Lord. 
And so we hope you guys have a great week and we will talk with you next time.